All right, looks like we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Kayfabe Corner. This is your host, Jordan Pierce Owens. I sit here, sometimes the rising star in Florida wrestling, sometimes a legend in Florida wrestling, here today with superstar Sean Davis. Superstar, how are you? I'm doing great, brother. I'm doing great. So happy to be here. Happy to be anywhere at this point, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> to talk to a different human being. How are you holding up in these, these crazy times? Obviously, we're still doing it from isolation. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's going a little bit stir crazy, but I've got a lot of projects I'm working on. I've always got something I'm working on, and uh, I'm using this time to do a lot of um, writing the projects that I'm working on and some other stuff, and, you know, hopefully uh, not wasting my time totally. The wife and I have done a lot of binge-watching TV shows, too. So, What are you watching? I love movies and TV. Let's talk about that. What you watching? Uh, well, we just finished, of course, the Tiger one. You know, of course, everybody's talking about that. We did that in a couple of days. But uh, some other stuff we did. There, there was this great series on PBS, actually, called Jamestown. I'm a big history buff. And uh, we binge-watched three seasons of that, like, in five days. So that was great. If anybody hasn't seen that, it, it might sound boring, but it wasn't. It was crazy. <laughs> it's like has it's like a, a Twilight Zone version of history. It's pretty crazy with ghosts okay. and all kinds of, uh, you know, pretty graphic murder stuff that you wouldn't think would be on PBS. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. It's, uh, it's pretty good. But, yeah, we've been just watching all kinds of stuff. My wife loves – anything murder or serial killer related so which kind of scares me a little bit i kind of wonder if she's like you know getting tips, putting in her idea bank for later or something but yeah but you know at least we're not killing each other this way yes yeah, so stay, stay on our good side as i said to you before no death matches with her okay no 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 and i've been watching lots of wrestling. usually when she goes to bed at night i start watching old wrestling you know that's what i do that's wrestling time yeah 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 if i've got uh about over a thousand DVDs in my collection from mostly 70s and 80s stuff and uh, all the old territories and I'll just pop that stuff in and go back to simpler and better days. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah. Uh, no, good, good to hear you saying creative as well, which is I think very important this time. Hey, if you're home and you're a creative person, keep that creative juice going for sure. Exactly. Uh, so let's go old school with you now. Uh, were you always a fan? Uh, did you come into it later on? Talk about that. No, man. I, um, I first saw wrestling when I was, I believe, seven years old. I was over at my cousin's house. I was playing with my younger cousin, Debbie. We're the same age. And her older brother, my cousin Dan, was watching world-class championship wrestling. I'll never forget. It was uh, the Freebirds and Von Erichs were on the television. Mm. And, I, and I was hooked, like, instantly. She wanted to go play, you know, dolls or something I was like hey I kind of want to watch what's going on here and and uh I'd say a, a week or two later a buddy of mine at school uh uh Tim Morrissey Tim if you're out there uh <laughs> he, he ended up getting in the business later on too um uh he brought in a magazine I remember it had I think it was Inside Wrestling it had the missing link on the cover of it and I was just so fascinated. That was it, man. I was absolutely hooked on wrestling from that point on. You know, I went to uh, my first live show when I was nine years old. It was the King of the Ring tournament, the second King of the Ring tournament, 1986, at the old Foxborough Sullivan Stadium where the Patriots used to play. And that's where Harley Race won the tournament. He beat 
Pedro Morales in the finals and was crowned the king of wrestling, started doing his king gimmick. Um, also, the uh, other main event on that show was the British Bulldogs against the Dream Team in a steel cage, which was pretty freaking phenomenal. And I uh, got to see one of Bruno San Martino's last matches live, mm. too. So that was my introduction to uh, live professional wrestling. That's a pretty good introduction to live professional wrestling. And just in yeah. general, you mentioned even on TV, watching uh, the Freebirds and whatnot. Who was your main guy? Who's your favorite growing up? Well, I was, you know, as a kid, I was a definite Hulkamaniac. Mm-hmm. I, went, I mean, I had Hulk Hogan posters all through my room. I had the Hulk Hogan workout <laughs> set, and I had his music on cassette so I could strut around in my room with my Hulk Hogan T-shirt on and headband and pretend I was Hulk Hogan. Um, as I got a little older, though, I became a huge fan of the bad guys. You know, big mm-hmm. surprise now, right? Yeah, yeah, I can see but, that. Uh, yeah. So I was a huge Ric Flair fan and Four Horsemen, those guys, um, Freebirds. I always liked the uh, the brawling guys, too, like Abdullah the Butcher. I was always fascinated with guys like him and, you know, Bruiser Brody and those types of guys. Um, but, you know, I was a huge fan of all those guys. Um, yeah. But, but definitely more of a heel fan, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, not too much of a surprise there, my friend. Uh, <laughs> when do you start getting in the wrestling business? What age, where, location-wise, just everything you're beginning, origin? Well, I grew up in Rhode Island, and uh, there wasn't, you know, I started when I was um, about 17 trying to find somebody to train me, and there were, like, no options at all. Like, there was just, there were some, what you would consider backyarders now yeah. that had, like, a little group, you know, but they weren't, none of them were trained. And they were all just killing each other. And I was like, no, that's not for me. I want to be trained by somebody that actually knows what they're doing, you know. Um, and there was just nobody, you know. Yeah, the closest school was the Killer Kowalski School, which was about two hours away from my house. So it was just it wasn't feasible for me at all. Um, so when my parents decided to move to Florida, you know, I was uh, 18, decided to come with them had nothing else going on. And um, I started reaching out to um, different um, old wrestlers that I was in correspondence with. I actually first talked to um, Al Costello from the Kangaroos. They were a huge team in the 50s and 60s. And uh, Al Costello was actually going to be my first trainer. And then he had a stroke, I believe. He got sick somehow. So, um, you know, by hook or by crook, I ended up running into a guy by the name of uh, Brett Sawyer, who was the brother of uh, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. I actually had a um, a booth at a flea market here in Tampa Bay. It was I uh, hadn't had a job yet. I decided to set up, and I was selling some wrestling memorabilia. And he came by the booth and uh, bought a magazine of himself on the cover from like the <laughs> early '80s. And you know, we started talking and. Um, I actually sold him a video of him in Georgia Championship Wrestling with him, his brother, and an angle they did on television with his mother, who had passed away at this point. And he had actually never seen the video of the angle he did with his mother. So I got him this video, and he couldn't believe it. He was like, you know, he was in shock that I had this kind of footage, you know, from my tape trading days, you know. So, um, you know, I told him I always wanted to wrestle he told me, you know, since you got me this tape, come by, I'll give you a free tryout, wink, wink. I think he figured I would never show up at the school. Um, I showed up. 
they got me in the ring and they tried um, basically discouraging me from ever coming back. They pretty much <laughs> threw me around like a rag doll. They had me um, at the time. The big thing was have you hit the ropes until you puked. You just couldn't stop running until you, until you literally you threw up in the bucket they had in the corner. And, um, you know, they, they just they threw you around. And then um, if you decided to come back, they would start training you for a price, you know. And um, I came back, man, and I just, you know, I, I was terrible. I was probably the worst natural athlete <laughs> on the face of the planet when I first started at wrestling school. Um, had no coordination at all. I was just, I was terrible. It was awful. You know, they were doing like basic stuff like, you know, teaching you how to do, you know, leg drops or elbow drops. And I just couldn't get it down. I mean, I actually would go back to my little apartment and put a mattress down on the floor and pillows and stuff. And I would practice trying to get my elbow drops down and leg drops. And man, when you're a fan, you don't even have a slightest clue and how difficult the simplest things like that can be, especially if you've got no athletic coordination, you know. But um, I refused to give up. I kept going back, kept getting beat up, kept getting hurt. I mean, in my first three months of training, I separated my left shoulder. I broke three ribs. I broke two fingers. I got a stinger in my neck. And I um, had got a hairline fracture in my leg. It's in the first three months. And, you know, of course, my parents are like, you know, okay, are you done with this stupidity now? Are you done? I think, you know, haven't you had enough as I'm, you know, walking around on crutches from the fracture of the leg? And uh, how that happened was they were teaching us to go over the top rope. And as I was going over the top rope, one of the boards slid out from under the uh, canvas. And my leg caught the board as I was going over the top. And um, I still actually have an indentation in my leg from, you know, from that injury, you know, but just kept going back, man. I guess I was stupid or something, you know, I just <laughs> was determined I wasn't going to give up. I was going to be a wrestler. And honestly, at that point, my only real goal was just to, just to have a match, have one match and say I was a professional wrestler. You know, that was like, you know, if I figured if I did that, I've accomplished my dream, you know, so uh, February 1997, I had my first match. It was a battle royal in uh, Clearwater, Florida. Uh, there were guys in the match, like the Southern Posse were in there, and uh, Cuban Assassin was on the show, and uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, and, um, you know, a bunch of legendary guys, and I was, you know, so intimidated. I mean, it was crazy. You know, I, I walked into the locker room. They still had heels in one locker room and baby faces in another. So I'm sitting in the locker room by myself, and Greg the Hammer Valentine comes walking in, who's one of my idols, and sits down right next to me. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what am I even doing here? You know what I mean? It's like, you know. But uh, that was the beginning, man, and it was uh, – it was a crazy time. It was a good time to break into the business. Wrestling was super hot then. I mean, my first show I did, I'd say there were seven or 800 people there at that first right. show. I mean, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was an exciting time, man. You know, but before I even had my first match, I did ring crew for like three months. Sure. I mean, that's how it was at the time. I mean, you know, it's totally different now. Now you just about anybody can just walk into and say they're a wrestler and, you know, a couple of weeks after training, they're, they're in a match. At the time, it was really hard to still to break in, even, you know, in 1997. I mean, you really, 
they put you through the ringer before you were allowed to even, you know, have that first match. You know, you had to train and then you had, like, at least where I trained, you had to do the ring crew for at least three months uh, before having your first match. And then you had to continue to do the ring crew uh, for another six months while you were, uh, you know, in your rookie year, you know, so I mean, you paid a lot of dues at the time, you know, it was, uh, it was really, really hard work. Um, training at the wrestling school we were at was, you know, no air conditioning, had a solar panel over the ring. So it was like 120 degrees in the summer in that ring training. I mean, you would just, you know, be soaked to the skin after you being in there for 10 minutes, you know, and, uh, really made you appreciate the, uh, the business, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And how long did it take before we become a superstar? I was say here at one point you were sexy, Sean, is that true? Any other previous names or gimmicks? Well, my first gimmick was absolutely horrible. It was, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. I actually blame an ex-girlfriend because it was kind of her <laughs> idea that, um, I wore face paint and I was called mortal decay. And it was a terrible gimmick. It was awful, especially for I was 20 years old at the time. You know, I had this total baby face look, you know, but I was, I, I was trying to be a heel and it was awful. It was just Is there photos and video of this? I got to see this. There's, oh, uh, yeah, somewhere in the archives. I mean, okay. I could send you a picture at some point, but yeah, it was terrible. But I don't know what I was thinking, but it was awful. But uh, that was my first gimmick. I did that for about two years, actually. It was horrible. Uh, then I was, uh, how oh, I was the real deal, Sean Davis for a while. Ooh. What was I? Yeah, I was, um, yeah. Then I was in a tag team called violent intentions. I had, I had a bunch of different things before, uh, you know, I hooked up with Phil and we became the heartbreak express, you know? So, so but how long does that take? You're saying you debuted in 1997, right? So when, when do you guys finally hook up and when does that start train rolling? Wow. Phil would know the exact dates because he's so good <laughs> at that stuff. But um, yeah, we, I mean, I went a few years before we started teaming and honestly I had, um, it was around two, it was around 2000. I believe it was around 2000 that we teamed for the first time. And honestly, I was ready to quit the business. I was discouraged. I, had been working around for a few years, mostly just total, you know, dives, you know, parking lots, flea markets, um, you know, terrible when did bars. You see transition? As you mentioned in 97, like there's seven, 800 people. When does it start to dip? Well, I think a big part of that was the guy that trained me, Brett Sawyer. I mean, he was, he was, uh, you know, he had always had good names involved. We had a falling out and then he stopped promoting altogether. And I think the thing was, I was kind of considered one of his guys, which wasn't a good thing at the time. He had a horrible <laughs> reputation. So just the fact that I was associated with him didn't help. And I hadn't really, I hadn't worked for anybody other than him. So when he stopped running, there were like no options for me. So I was working for just the absolute crappiest of the crap promotions at the time because you know, I had, I was associated with somebody that was considered a scumbag and I had no experience other than that. So, you know, it was literally wherever there was a ring set up, I would try to, you know, get a match in and it was awful. And, you know, I did that for a few years and I really was getting discouraged. And I was pretty much just about ready to say, okay, I'm done with this. And, um, 
you know, actually met Michael Patrick of the uh, Dirty Blondes. And uh, he invited um, me and a couple of the other guys to come check out the show that was going on in Zephyr Hills at this little bar called Joe Bob's. And uh, people had been running there, had been running there for like a decade at that point. And this place was a total dive bar too. But it, it, it ran every Friday night and it had a good crew of people. And um, so me, Phil, his brother, Scott, and a couple other guys, we went up there one Friday night and we just had a blast. We just had a blast. We wrestled in front of like 30, 40 people, but we didn't care. It was just fun. It was a fun atmosphere. So we went back the next week and the next week, and it just became this weekly deal where we just kept going who's back. This, who's this for? Who's the promotion? Um, it was called NSW, New School Wrestling. Uh, Mark Freeman was the uh, promoter. It's this local guy, nice guy. I mean, he really didn't know what he was doing, but it was just a fun <laughs> crew. He had, you know, he just had good people like Michael Patrick was helping with the booking and running it. And his, his tag team partner at the time, Snow, was, help, was the book, other booker. And, um, and we just had fun. And that's where we first um, decided to do the Heartbreak Express. We just decided to start teaming up. And, and honestly, I credit that with being really where I learned how to work. I mean, I'd already been working for several years, but I really learned how to work by going there every week. It was every Friday night. And, and a lot of good talent came through there. I mean, guys, like it was, you know, me and Phil, um, like I said, Michael Patrick was there. Chris Nelson from the Heavenly Bodies was often there. Um, we had Prince Iakea from WCW was often there, and he would help train the guys uh, before the shows would start. Um, that's where Jarrell Clark got started, uh, who ended up in TNA. Um, Steve Madison, that's pretty much where he started. I mean, we all kind of came up together in that group, you know, and a um, lot of really talented guys, a lot of not so talented guys, but there were some really good guys that came through there, and we all really just taught each other, you know, and it was – from there that we started all kind of getting a little bit of a name for ourselves. Some of the guys started working for Ron Nini at IPW. Um, we eventually got a shot there and started working there. And that's where we started kind of branching out from that point on. You know? well, let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about the transition now to IPW later on FIP. Is that really where you started things were clicking on a, on a bigger level? Yeah. You know, we, um, Sal from FIP, he actually, uh, oh, I see us back there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, Sal from FIP actually showed up one night at, in Zephyr Hills at Joe Bob's, and uh, he hadn't started anything yet. And, um, you know, he was telling us about this new promotion he was going to start. It was actually called Warzone Wrestling is what he was going to call it. And uh, that's how we we you know, we kind of got in touch with him initially and um, it ended up becoming FIP and we were actually part of his first crew at FIP. He actually, um, it was really crazy. I'll never forget. He actually did a tryout. So he invited us to come do a tryout for FIP and um, it was at this old building. Um, well, it was called the arena in, in St. Largo. I guess it was St. Pete. It's not there now, but it was this big giant hall. It was a big building and it was set up kind of like a, an, an arena, basically. It really was an arena, um, you know, just a huge place. And um, he had Hector Guerrero and uh, Bill Alfonso ran the tryout. 
And I'll never forget, we got there and we were nervous wrecks because we're like, we never had to try out for anything before. And uh, Hector Guerrero, who's a character, he actually had me and Phil get in the ring and, and shoot with each other. He wanted us to shoot. And we're like, why are we getting in? Like, we're, we're, we're trying out to, <coughs> for a professional wrestling show. Why, why do we have to shoot with each other? It was the weirdest thing, you know? Um, I shouldn't say shoot it, but he wanted us to get on the ground and basically mat wrestle and things like that. Uh, where'd you go? <laughs> there you are. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> but, um, you know, so we ended up, I guess we passed the tryout and we worked the first, very first FIP show. And um, it was a, a big show. I mean, he had uh, Mike Awesome was on the show, New Jack, Just Incredible. Um, Mike Graham worked it. Uh, for local guys, like I know Steve Madison was on the show, Jason Moore. Me and Phil worked a couple guys called the Hellraisers, Axis and Python. They were a nightmare to work with. <laughs> they about killed us, honestly. The, the, I can't even remember what the finish was supposed to be, but I remember they did this thing where – I don't know. Do you know the Axis and Python, who they are? I've heard the name, and I've seen the results of the card, yeah. yeah they were giant guys, just giant, juiced-up, like, road warrior wannabes, basically, just <laughs> huge. And they did this thing where they double snap-mared me, so I'm in a sitting position. And then they went to opposite corners, and they came running, and they both double-booted me in the side of the head at the same time. Like, not, I mean, didn't hold back anything, just boom, clobbered me. And I was out, dude. I don't remember what happened the rest of the match. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, the next thing I remember, I'm literally, I woke up in the dressing room with Mike Awesome standing over me, asking me how many fingers he was showing. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> because I was out freaking cold, man. It was crazy. But uh, that was my, that was our uh, introduction to FIP, man. And we basically, <laughs> you know, we were part of Sal's, a-list crew his uh his main guys right from day one and um i really credit fip and uh working for sal for being really what what got us on the national and international scene you know because um eventually with fip I and mean, we started working around the state you know we started making a name for ourselves in the state pretty soon i remember the first time we went to orlando to wrestle phil and i were like holy crap we're going to orlando we're out of we're out of the tampa bay area we've hit the big time you know what i mean <laughs> i mean it felt huge and then all of a sudden we're booked in miami and then you know we're going up to jacksonville and then we're going up to georgia and um you know it was like wow this is huge but um, I'd say after uh, at FIP, eventually Gabe Sapolsky came in as the booker. Gabe from uh, Ring of Honor, I'm sure everybody knows, and he's head of Evolve now. Well, he came in as the booker, and they kind of had a uh, a restart of FIP, basically, with having a relationship as the sister promotion of Ring of Honor. And um, they gave us a, a big push at FIP. Originally, it was like we did the gimmick where – we couldn't win a match. We went out every match and we lost. It didn't matter who we wrestled. We lost, you know, and then we would still declare ourselves the winners afterwards. And every show we would come out and claim to be undefeated, but we really hadn't won a match. It was, you know, it was kind of, and then what happened was when we finally got our first win, we won the FIP tag titles. So it was supposed to be like this big fluke. And 
we beat uh, Sal Renaro and uh, Spanky. You know Spanky? Um, Kendrick, yeah. Yeah, Brian Kendrick, yeah. We beat Brian Kendrick and uh, Sal Renaro for the uh, tag team titles. And then we just got a huge push from that point on. They gave us um, SoCal Val was our uh, manager starting at the next show. And uh, Corey Chavis was our bodyguard. And um, they added um, Sweet and Sour, Larry Sweeney to our group. God rest his soul. And, um, you know, we just had a big, you know, big run. Oh, there he is. There's my buddy. <laughs> That's my buddy, Alex. Yeah. I was just thinking about him earlier, man. I uh, Every once in a while, I get really uh, broken up about him not being here, man. He was uh, – he was a really good friend, uh, super nice guy, and I'm getting off track now. But anyways, no, not at all. No, it's um, great. It's good to hear. You know, just this is where I start becoming aware of you guys. I'm a big FIP fan, old school, and yeah. so you know, it's, it's cool to hear. Yeah, no, Larry was a great guy, and I honestly, I have a ton of guilt over his death. I mean, for those that don't know, he ended up he committed suicide, and. Um, he had called me about two weeks before he committed suicide and, and he asked to move down here to Florida and live with me. And at the time I was, I was between houses. I had broken up with my long-term girlfriend. She basically kicked me out of the house. And um, I was living with my mom at the time, you know, as I was transitioning, finding a new place to live. And I was like, dude, I'd love to have you come down here, but I don't have anywhere to really deliver right now. I'm like sleeping on the, the sofa at my mom's house. You know, I can't, you know, I, I can't really just invite you to come live at my mom's house, you know? And that's kind of where we left it that looked, we'll talk again, you know, soon and we'll try to figure something out. And then the next thing I knew he was gone, you know, and it was just, just horrible, horrible, horrible guilt, you know, about that whole thing thinking, I wish I could have done more for him. But he was a troubled guy, man. He really was. But anyways, back to uh, FIP. So anyway, so we're doing our run at FIP and Gabe's, Gabe decided he would give us a shot at Ring of Honor. And uh, he brought us up. We went to um, the first show was in, I believe it was in New Jersey was the first time we worked for Ring of Honor. And he brought us up to work with the uh, Christopher Street Connection. Yeah, Buffy and Mace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a real flamboyant uh, gay gimmick. Uh, and um, we went up there. We had a really good, you know, and I think it was just supposed to be a one-time thing, just as a comedy thing. Um, but it got over really well. We had a great time with them. Um, everybody seemed to think it went well. And, um, and, you know, it's just funny doing that one show. We came back to Florida and it was like, oh, shoot, shoot, you guys, you guys work for Ring of Honor? Like, wow, you know, and then all of a sudden, everybody wants to book us. It's like, oh, my God, you know, you the Heartbreak Express wrestled for Ring of Honor. And it was like, wow, you know, you guys must be better than we thought you were. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just funny how perception is such a big thing in wrestling. You know what I mean? We literally came back not doing anything different than we had done before, but all of a sudden we were top guys because of that. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, and then um, luckily they brought us back a few more times. We never got a big push at Ring of Honor. Well, we never got pushed at all. I mean, honestly, we, <laughs> we, we went up there and we put guys over and, and, but there was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. And um, they did plan on having a big push for us and it just didn't happen. It was like one, it was like, we were actually supposed to be part of a, um, a new heel faction up there 
with um, it was going to be Jim Cornette was going to manage us and Steve Carino and um, Adam Pierce were going to be in the group with us. And we're going to be like a new old school horseman. Yeah. I like group. the sound of that tape of that sable. <laughs> yeah. And you know, right before we were supposed to do it, Jim Cornette, from what I remember, he like fell down the stairs at his house or something and like broke his leg, something like crazy happened like that. And so they postponed doing the angle and then it just never happened. It like it, one thing after another kept getting postponed. It was like, ah, you know, we felt like we were just on the cusp of this huge break. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it went as far that they had brought Adam Pierce into um, FIP and it started teaming him with us there. Oh, Alex Porto was going to be part of it too. And, um, and, and he teamed with us at FIP a couple times as well. So we were kind of putting, they were kind of putting the, the pieces of the puzzle in place, you know, for us to do this, this big old school group at, at Ring of Honor. And like I said, it just, you know, it never came about. And then, you know, whatever happened with Gabe and Ring of Honor, he ended up leaving Ring of Honor. And so, you know, that whole thing went kind of down the toilet. But, you know, it, it really – you know, the push we got at FIP and the appearances we made at Ring of Honor are what helped us get go international, you know, and that was like the big, you know, for me, that's the biggest thing we ever accomplished in wrestling was all the um, international tours we ended up doing, you know, like I said, I, I mean, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, just, I see here, I wrote down, I see you guys were in Japan, talk about all the different places you've been. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, the first time we left Tampa Bay went to Orlando. We thought that was the biggest thing ever. So, I mean, you know, when we're all of a sudden touring all over the world, I mean, it was absolutely insane. You know, um, the first big tour we did, we went to England for um, All Star Wrestling. That's Brian Dixon's group. Really big over there. Uh, we were there for about a month, I guess. And um, the schedule's crazy. I mean, it's the closest thing you can do to working for like WWE than not being in WWE, you know, as far as the touring schedule. I mean, we would, we would wrestle 10 days in a row and sometimes as much as three times in one day. That's how crazy the schedule is because what they do is they set, they do these shows of what call, is called the Butlins Resorts. And they're like these camp resorts that are set up through England. And they were originally set up during World War II to get the kids out of the cities. And now it's like their own little miniature versions of Disneyland. And they've got like six or seven of them around the country. Okay, so All-Star Wrestling has, I don't know if they still do at the time, at least they had a contract with them where they would run shows at all the different resorts. So on some days, we would literally get up at like nine in the morning, do our first show at 10 in the morning, getting a van, head like an hour or two to the next resort, do another show in the afternoon. And then we would go and we would do what they call town shows, which were house shows at like old theaters and uh, little civic centers and stuff. So yeah, I mean, some weeks we would literally wrestle like three, sixteen. We wrestle like a dozen times sometimes in one week. I mean, it was crazy, absolutely crazy. And um, you know, not being not being used to that kind of a schedule, you know, I mean, it, man, it was wearing. I'll tell you. And then when you would get a couple of days off, you would just like sleep for two days, you know, and you'd <laughs> just be so exhausted. And and the rings over there. So they had to have multiple rings because they're doing so many shows. So some of the rings 
were like these tiny little 14 by 14 rings with like no padding. And so you, you know, you could barely bump and when you did, it was like hitting concrete. It was crazy. But um, we on that tour, we were over there with guys like um, um, Seamus was on tour, that tour with us. And uh, oh, uh, Drew, who's the guy that just won the title? Uh, Galloway McIntyre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were over there with McIntyre. We actually worked with him twice when we were over there. Awesome guy, by the way. Awesome guy. I'm so glad he's, you know, doing so <laughs> so good now because he was like the nicest guy in the world and uh, it was so much fun to work with over there. Um, so we worked, so we did that tour of England. Then our next tour, we worked for um, Rings of Europe, which is in Aust Austria. And we actually worked with uh, Pac, you know, Pac. And, uh, and, and uh, Walter, Big Walter, we worked with them over there. As kind of funny, we um, we stayed at this bed and breakfast that night, and for some reason there was no power, and they roomed me and Pac in the same in the same room together, and there was one bed. Okay, and we had just met and we had just wrestled, but we didn't know each other besides that. And we're staying in this bed and breakfast, you know, in the pitch black and the sharing a bed together. It was very awkward, I'll tell you. <laughs> but a very nice guy. We had a really good match with those guys. And um, it was just, I don't watch modern wrestling at all, I got to tell you. So it was just recently I found out what a, that Walter's become a big star. <laughs> You know. He had no idea. <laughs> yeah, no. It's funny. I was over at uh, Sal's house uh, not too long ago, and I looked over, and he had these like eight by tens of Walter, and I was like, "Oh, I know him. We wrestled with him." And he goes, "What? You wrestled Walter?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we were in Europe." He's like, "The Heartbreak Express wrestled Walter and Pac." I'm like, "Yeah, what's the big? You know?" He was like, "I'm like, we're not. We don't suck that bad, Sal." You know? And it's like he was all shocked that we had worked with them. <laughs> But um, so from there, we um, did a lot of work in Central America, the Republic of Panama, the um, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. I mean, we were just on the go constantly for about a two or three year period, man. We were just booked solid everywhere, you know. And um, then in 2010, we got our, our big accomplishment in life was always to go to Japan to wrestle. That was, we always wanted to do it. And we'd been trying for years to get over there. And we had had, we had had two different tours booked that both fell through. Never thought we were going to get over there. Finally, we get booked. And I remember telling Phil that we're going to Japan. He's like, yeah, right. You've this is the third time you've told me we're going to Japan. He didn't believe me, right? So when the plane tickets actually came in the mail, because actually physically mailed the plane tickets to us, I went right over to his house and handed him the tickets. And he was like, are you, are you kidding? We're actually, this is actually happening. And I'm like, dude, we're actually going to Japan. It was, that was the experience of a lifetime, man, right there. That was incredible. Absolutely. I'm sure it would be, uh, you know, I was telling before doing some uh, preparation, some cage of pain preparation here. Oh yeah. Who's that yeah, beautiful, yeah. sexy person. There he is. There he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are some of your favorite matches you've had, uh, from, from anywhere, man? Uh, talk, talk about what some of your favorite matches. Oh man. Well, you know, for me, we, we were so blessed, man, for so long to work with so many legends of the business guys that I grew up with that I just idolized. And I mean, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was kind of like putting together a list of all the guys that I wrestled over the years. 
And it's, it blows me away. Like sometimes I think back and I'm like, did I really wrestle all these legends? I mean, you know, it's crazy. I would say uh, the Rock and Roll Express are probably the, my favorite guys to ever work with. Um, we worked with them three times and we had great matches each time with them. They were just absolutely fantastic with us. Um, we got to wrestle the Midnight Express, Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton, who are my all-time favorite tag team. Uh, we, wrestled, we wrestled them and we actually teamed with the Midnight Express once as well. We did an eight-man tag team match. And, um, and I almost had forgotten about that. And John Davis, uh, the FIP champion, he reminded me of that the other day because he was on the other side of that match. And, um, and uh, he, uh, he didn't remember it as being that great of a match because the Midnight Express wouldn't get in the ring with him. <laughs> every, time, every time he tagged in, they, they tagged out. <laughs> they were afraid of him, I guess. But um, – uh, yeah, but I mean, you name them, I've been in the ring with them. You know, I wrestled Tully Blanchard. I wrestled, you know, we wrestled Bob Armstrong, Brad Armstrong, Scott Armstrong, uh, Brian Armstrong, the Road Dog. Um, you know, I teamed with Dusty Rhodes. I mean, I, you know, I was telling you, I recently wrestled Kevin Sullivan. Um, just so many guys, you know, so many legends I've been in the ring with. I had a singles match with Kamala, which was a lot of fun. Um, he, he was actually my dad's favorite wrestler. <laughs> and I told Kamala that before the match, cause my dad had passed away not too long before that match and come and we're sitting in the locker room getting ready and, and Kamala's got his war paint on everything. And he's sitting there and he starts crying like a baby because I told him that my, he was my dad's favorite wrestler and how uh -huh. I wish my dad had been there to see him, see me wrestle with him. And here's this big, scary guy, and he's sitting there crying like a baby. He's just the, the sweetest guy in the world, man. And, um, and light as a feather to work with. He was just fantastic. And then, you know, I did angles with Abdul the Butcher, with George the Animal Steel. I mean, just so many guys. But um, as far as my absolute favorite matches, I'd have to say they were with um, Joey and Sean, Black Market. Mm -hmm. Um, those were probably the craziest matches we ever had, the wildest matches. We half killed each other. We absolutely half killed each other. And I'd say, yep, there they are. And Joey now is, of course, the Sheik. And I think he changed his name again or something, but he's still pretty well known. In, uh, or uh, in, MLW, right? Yeah, and uh, Sean is like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu star now. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, we had so many great matches with them. That we had we had one match with them at FIP that was so good, they put it on a Ring of Honor DVD as a bonus match mm -hmm. for the <laughs> Ring of Honor show, which was a, I mean, that was a huge, huge honor, no pun intended. It was a huge honor for them to put an FIP match on a Ring of Honor, you know, DVD as a, as a bonus because Gabe said it was such a great match. I don't even remember it being that great of a match, but he thought it was. But we had so many matches with them, but definitely the, the two most memorable were the Cage of Pain one, which was us against them, which we just half killed each other. And the, the finish of that was they powerbombed me off the top rope through a table with a thousand thumbtacks on it. And um, that was the scariest bump I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> I remember just, I remember actually breathing in thumbtacks as I'm laying there and I was 
spitting them out out of my and blowing them out of my nose and spitting them out of my mouth trying not to swallow any it was that was horribly scary but um an intense match and then uh cage of pain two we had gone babyface and we were actually teaming with black market yep and taking on guys like sal renaro and chasing rants and kenny king that whole crew and um and then we turned on Black Market at the end of that match. And that got so much heat. It was absolutely insane. I mean, it was so much heat that the fans literally started to riot. You know, they started throwing debris at the rate. Kind of remind you if you ever see where when Hogan turned heel and joined the NWO yeah. and all the fans start throwing debris. Yeah. And stuff. That's what they started doing, man. And, and, you know, I remember when we got out of the cage that, security came and get up got to get us and Gabe Sapolsky's over the corner yelling get him out of here get him out of here you know and they rushed us <coughs> excuse me they rushed us to the dressing room because you know they were really afraid that people were legitimately going to jump us at that point they were just so pissed you know it was uh that was good man FIP at the time the FIP is great now don't get me wrong but at the time when we were running uh Crystal River and those other smaller towns around Florida there was so much heat, man. Those crowds were insane, you know. I mean, we always drew at least like four or 500 people to Crystal River for FIP. And they hated our guts, me and Phil. You know, they just, it was, it was, it was just a fantastic time, man. That was probably my favorite time in the business was FIP, that whole period of like 2006 through like 2008, nine, around that period. What you know when we were feuding with Black Market and other other great tag teams like that, and just so much fun, man. It was such a great time, you know. So when does the transition happening of the Heartbreak Express? I guess I won't say ending because as we've seen recently, it's not over. But when does the transition happening of you guys of that ending and then you becoming a manager? Is it because of injuries? Is it because of the split? What goes on there? No, honestly, um, honestly, it was. It was Gabe's idea to put me – basically what happened was we had been on top for, like, I don't know, what, like two or three years at FIP as the top ta heel tag team. And, you know, and we were still super over. Like, this is, like, right after um, we did the turn on Black Market in the Cage of Pain. Um, Gabe, I think, felt – and I disagreed with him a lot at the time. I felt like we could have kept going another year or two with Black Market after we turned on them. And, but I don't think he, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to second guess anybody, you know what I mean? It is what it is, but he decided that we should go in a different direction. And we did a match, a final match with black market where it was a loser leaves town match. So we, we lost the match. It meant that, well, it was loser retires from FIP basically. So that was his idea. They got the big baby face win and um, the people thought we were gone. And then the next month we showed back up with me as a manager. And Phil is my quote-unquote head of security. So it was just basically transitioning into a new gimmick. You know, so we still kept teaming up everywhere else. It was just an FIP at the time that um, I was doing the manager gimmick. And also, they were starting Evolve not too long after that. Evolve began. And originally, I was a manager at Evolve as well. So... You know, it was just kind of, uh, it was just a transition, you know. And I still, of course, you know, came back and still wrestled, but I wrestled as a, as a manager, you know what I mean? 
Uh, most notably, I did the big feud with uh, Outlaw Ron Bass, which, um, you know, uh, God bless him is still – that might be my all-time favorite match. Was, um, it was the Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup in Crystal River, and we had built up this match for like three or four months with uh, Outlaw Ron Bass as the legendary babyface. And um, I wrestled him in a bull rope match. And it was uh, his last ever bull rope match. Um, and we just, you know, the crowd just ate up every second of it. I mean, it got over so huge. And it was probably, I know he had told me it was his last great memory in the wrestling business. In fact, um, not too long ago, uh, Brian Brock of the, uh, Leo Brian of the um, Dirty Blondes found an interview that Ron Bass had done not, not too long before he died, I guess. And they talked and he was talking in the interview about doing this feud with me and this match with me. And I guess, you know, it was something that meant a lot to him too. You know, we just had a really good time and we made the local news because of it. I mean, we did, I mean, you know, we did in studio angles, building up the match on the local channel 10 new morning show. And I mean, it was just all over the place. I mean, it got us a ton of publicity and uh, it was just a fantastic memory, man. It was, it was really good. And um, yeah, that might be my last really, that might be my favorite match of all time, Ian Ron Bass, you know, and we lost him last year and uh, he and I had, had remained friends. We stayed in touch with each other and now I'm good friends with his son, Joe, his uh, son is wrestling now. Yeah. So he's uh, the, uh, the good old boys tag team. And uh, him and his partner are really good, and uh, like the name says. <laughs> and I know his dad would be super proud of him right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So you talk about managing now. Uh, do you enjoy managing? Uh, any any stories from there? I know you've been recently with my boy Fabu doing some fun stuff over at ACW. Uh, let's talk yeah. about that, man. Let's talk about that transition. You know, I love it, man. I love managing. Um, I just, you know – you know, I got to a point where, you know, physically I was having a lot of issues. Um, honestly, when we get back from Japan was when I first noticed that physically I was starting to decline. And I mean, part of it was just getting the crap beaten up out over there, you know. Um, you know, it's kind of a cliche how stiff the wrestling is in Japan, but it really is. It's a war over there. I mean, every night was like a shoot fight, you know what I mean? And um, I came back and I could barely walk from the, uh, all the kicks to the legs and stuff. And um, then I had an issue where I actually had gotten a, a cut on the back of my head at a barber. It was just getting a haircut. And then I had wrestled on a show that weekend and I guess the mat was dirty and my, the cut got infected. And I came down with what's called MRSA. It's a really bad infection and I ended up in the ICU for over a week and almost died they almost lost me a couple of times and um, I actually still have a bump on the back of my neck it actually really embarrasses me I hate it like when I when I do my manager gimmick now I try to keep my collar above it because it just embarrasses me but it's actually the, the remnants from that infection like there was actually on the back of my neck at one point when the infection was live it looked like a football on the back of my neck. And, um, you know, it, like I said, I almost died from it because they couldn't, they, they, you see, you know, 
it's one of those things where people do frequently die from MRSA. You know, it's a horrible, horrible infection. But um, so my health from that point on declines a little bit. You know, I found out I had type two diabetes, I had blood pressure issues. So it just, you know, it just came to a point where being in the ring, I didn't want to be one of those guys that stayed too long and couldn't perform at a high level in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember when I was first broke into wrestling, there were a lot of old timers around that, you know, you were like, oh, why is this guy still doing this? You know, and he was so good at one time. Now he's just embarrassing himself. You know what I mean? So that was one reason why I kind of got out of it. Um, you know, and then I had the, I actually, you know, I stayed away for a couple of years. And, and then um, one day, uh, Sal from FIP called me up and he said, look, you know, we really need somebody, a good manager. We need a good heel manager. He's like, we're trying to reboot FIP. Um, he's like, you know, he said he'd been talking with Trevin, you know, Trevin, um, the, the booker there too. And, um, he said that they were trying to come up with an idea and they said that they were watching some old FIP footage and they were like, you know, you know, maybe we should bridge the old with the new and, you know, bring back an, a familiar face and kind of, you know, try something uh, different. So honestly, I thought about it for about two months. It, it was, I really didn't know if I wanted to come back into wrestling. I kind of felt like it was in the past. I was done with it. But it just kept nagging at me that, man, I really do miss this. I really do miss this. So um, one Saturday night, me and a couple, and, and Phil, my old tag team partner, a couple of my other buddies, we dropped by ACW. And I hadn't been to a re live wrestling show since the last time I had done a match, which was like three years at that point. And I got there and I was like, oh, man, I forgot how much I miss this. I forgot how much I enjoy this. Like, this is just like. So I told Sal, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, and I'm so glad I came back. I've been having so much fun and uh, just working with such great guys, like the guy that's on the screen there, Fabu and uh, Tony Donati and, um, you know, all the other guys. Recently, I've been managing um, the Dirty Blondes at FIP, Michael Patrick and Leo Bryan. And just, you know, they're two of my best friends in the business. And, just so much fun working with them. And we've actually now uh, branched off where I'm managing them at Thunder Championship Wrestling as well, which runs in like Polk County and all the schools. And they draw really big crowds. I mean, there's just it's packed out crowds there. And it just, I'm just having a blast, man. I'm having so much fun. Um, I really love being able to, I mean, I, I feel like oh, I'm the old, really grizzled veteran or something. I don't feel that old, but you know, being able to, to pass on some knowledge to guys like Fabu and Tony and anybody else that actually, uh, there's uh, Anthony Satina, you know who I'm talking about? Anthony? Yeah. yeah, like he's another one who's a young guy who actually really, you know, picks my brain and likes, you know, learns, you know, tries to learn whatever he can from me. And I just love these guys, man. I, like, I tell them they're all my little brothers, you know, and I'm, like I was so proud of Fabu and Tony who both debuted at AEW these past couple weeks. You know, Fabu wrestled last week and Tony wrestled this week. There we go, right there. And um, just so proud of these guys, man. I mean, I, I literally, I mean, I know it sounds sappy, you know, but I literally started tearing up when I saw they were getting that shot, man, because I just love these guys so much, man. And they just, they have no egos whatsoever. 
Like, you know, there's some kids, I'll be at a show and some kids will come into the locker room. They won't even say hello to you. You know, they come walking in and they've been in the business for like six months or a year <laughs> and they don't even come around and say hello. They don't shake your hand. They don't do anything. And they walk around like they're these huge superstars. And you're thinking, guys, who, you know, you're nobodies. I mean, you know, I mean, nobody, I mean, I'm a nobody and I've done hundred times more than what you've done at this point. Like don't disrespect people. You know what I mean? But then you've got guys like Fabu and Tony and Anthony who are just, they can't, they just, they, they love this sport and they respect it. And they, they, they want to be the best they can possibly be. And they just, they care, you know, and it's not about their egos. They really truly love what they're doing and they want to learn from guys that have been doing this a little bit longer than them, you know? I mean, none of us know everything. I mean, I'll be the first, I'm, I'm always learning and I'm always going to be learning and I'm always, you know, but they, they realize that, Hey, you know, I'll pick the brain of somebody that has been doing this a little bit longer and maybe I can learn from. And I'm so glad that those guys are, are getting this opportunity, you know? Um, I think, you know, Sal, Trevin, the crew at FIP, uh, Francisco Chiazzo, they have all been extremely instrumental in giving these guys a shot. Um, I'm so happy that they took it. You know, I honestly, I'll admit, I'm the one that suggested to them, hey, I really like this Fabu kid. I really like this Tony kid. Put them with me. Let me manage them. Let us work together, you know. And I pitched that idea to, to Trevin, and Trevin pitched it to Sal, and they loved it. And they're like, let's roll with it, you know. And, uh, and Frankie Chiazzo, who uh, you're a meatball brain, Chiazzo. I still say you're worthless meatball brain, but uh, he's still, you know, fantastic. He's been great. You know, these are his kids to his students. And, you know, he's been absolutely fabulous to, to work with. Um, we're having such a good time. It just, it sucks so bad that all of this has happened with this stupid virus right now because we had so much we were working on and we've been, we've been planning. We've had so much good stuff coming up, but it's still coming, baby. It's coming soon. I promise you, Superstar Sean, Heartbreak Enterprises, we're coming for you, Kiazzo. We're coming for you, Tony Storm. Wrestling fans, keep on the lookout. FIP, ACW, World Wrestling Network, we are coming back, baby. We are coming back and coming back strong. We're going to kick the ass of this virus, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to entertain each and every one of you still. It ain't over yet, baby. Absolutely. I can't wait for those return shows. I know you're all itching just to get back in there, man, and it's going to be some great stuff when ACW and everyone else is inevitably going to come back and come back stronger than ever. Uh, speaking of coming back strong here, uh, you mentioned, you know, slowly coming away from the ring, but you've returned to the ring recently, having some great killer matches. So talk, talk to me about that. The ride's not over yet, is it? Well, you know, <laughs> I would say this. I would say it's very, very selective where, where the Heartbreak Express might get in the ring again here and there. Um, we had the opportunity with um, IPW. Well, basically, I've been really close with uh, Barry Rose and uh, David Penzer and some of the other guys that started the uh, Florida Championship Wrestling for Florida Legends reunion thing that they've been doing uh, for the last couple years. And we heard that they were looking to do a show in conjunction with the last convention they did. And we heard it was going to be IPW. And I was, I was talking with Michael Patrick, and I was like, man, 
I would love to be able to work with you. We have been talking back and forth. We've for a while, Mike and Patrick and I and Phil and Brian have all said, man, we, if we could have one last match, it would be against you guys. You know what I mean? So we pitched it to Ron Nemi, and Ron was like, right away, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, and so we scheduled that match. Man, we started working out. I, honestly, Phil and I started training with his brother, Scott, and with um, Tony Donati at the, um, at the WWN school when it was still in Largo. And for about three or four weeks in a row, we were getting in there and, and working out, man. And I'm telling you, the first couple of times just hitting the ropes again and taking those bumps, it was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm crazy. I shouldn't be doing this, you know. But uh, we got out there, man, and, and I mean, it was not a scientific classic by any which, any which way, but we went out there and we had a good brawl with them, and, and it, honestly, I was scared to death I was going to get blown up, which is, you know, fans, but that means winded and, and be puking my guts out there, and I did not blow up at all. Like, my adrenaline was going so strong that I wanted to keep going. Like, we went, like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 minutes or something like that. I was ready to keep going, and they, they're the ones that were like, okay, let's go home, go home, you know. But we had a great fight. Michael Patrick and I in particular just, just beat the living crap out of each other. I mean, we were just – we were literally punching each other square in the face as hard as we could. You know, not in the nose or teeth where we'd lose anything, but like right in the center of the, the forehead and the side of the head. I had so many black and blue bruises all over my head from, uh, from Mike's punches. I'm sure he had from me. And, um, and I had a huge gash on my head that took, it honestly took about two months to heal the, the cut I had on the top of my head. Uh, it, was, it was brutal. I mean, I had to get all this special stuff to try to keep it closed. It was awful, you know, but but worth every se every second of the pain that I went through. <laughs> we had a great time. And I'd say the best compliment you can get is when guys that you really respect, like Mike and Brian, say, man, that was a great match. They were like, you guys totally hung in there with us, and let's do it again. You know, they're ready to do another one. So, But um, I'm managing them now, so I don't think that'll happen now. But um, as far as other matches, I was actually teamed with them a couple months ago. And I was telling you before we got on the camera, if I never had another match, it would be the best memory ever to go out on. We, yeah, we teamed up against Kevin Sullivan, the Prince of Darkness. Kevin Sullivan was one of my idols as a child and throughout my career. Um, we wrestled him, uh, Tokyo Monster, Cahagas, and Michael Tarver, formerly from WWE. So we did a six-man match with them. And Kevin Sullivan and I basically just stuck together the whole time. I guess he figured I was the – the least likely to hurt him. <laughs> so he stuck with me and pretty much kicked my ass around ringside for about 15 minutes. And it was just an absolute blast. At the end, I finally got a little in on him. Then he burnt me with a fireball and uh, they got the pin. But uh, it was awesome. Awesome, awesome experience, man. It was so much fun. And um, dude, you know, I grew up the biggest wrestling fan You'd probably, I mean, you know, I was like that, the, the quintessential wrestling nerd in school. Like me and my buddy, Tim, who, who um, ended up managing his Vic Slowhand and announcing his Jake Cerrone, used to work for FIP as well. We were the nerds in school that loved wrestling. Nobody else liked wrestling. I mean, maybe a couple of the other kids, they were like, oh yeah, I watch it now and then. We were obsessed. 
Like if one of us got the new issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated before the other one, we'd call the other one and annoy them by reading the whole thing to them over the phone. You know what I mean? I, I got it in once and I, uh, I think I bought three issues because I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was just the biggest, I mean, wrestling was my whole life, man. And when I was a kid, you know, all I would do is pretend I was wrestling and, you know, book imaginary cards. And, you know, I mean, it just was my obsession. And to, I've lived my dream, man. I really have. And I never made it to WWE. I got really close once. I had a really, you know, there's been a couple of times where you get the, you get so close to making it. It's like, you ever seen the movie Field of Dreams? Mm-hmm. You know, the scene where he's talking to the old doctor and he says to the doctor, because the guy only got up to bat once and then never actually, he got, he got to play once, but he never got up to actually hit. And then he never played major league baseball again. And he says to the doctor, he said, how does it feel to get so close to your dream and have it slip away? So that would kill most people. And I won't take it that far because I did live my dream, you know, but I got so close to having a chance at the big time a couple of times that it was like, you could taste it, you know, you could taste the opportunity. And then for whatever reason, the rug got pulled out from under me and it didn't happen. But I still did so much, man. I did so much and I'm still doing so much and just still just having a great time that, you know, I look back and sometimes I think, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, you know, to be this wrestling nerd that grew up being able to, you know, I'll take you back with the, I, I worked with Dusty Rhodes once. I didn't wrestle him. It was more of an angle where I was a baby face on the show and he was getting beaten up by the heels at the end of his match. And I was, he had chosen me to come out to make the save, one of two guys to make the save. And I came out with a chair and beat up the heels. And then um, I Irish whipped all the heels into his bionic elbow and they bumped for him. And then we all walked around the ring together, holding Dusty's arms up. It was in Tallahassee and it was in front of maybe six or 700 people all chanting, Dusty, Dusty, Dusty. And you know, Walking back to the locker room afterwards with Dusty, and I said to him, I said, I said, Mr. Rhodes, I said, thank you so much for letting me do that with you. It was such an honor. And he looked back, he's like, hey, little brother, the honor was all mine. It was all mine. <laughs> and we walked into the locker room together. And, you know, it's just those are the kind of things, you know, that just, you know, made all of this worthwhile, man. All the BS I might have gone through at times, whatever. You know, moments like that, you know, are just, you can't put a price tag on them, man. You really can't, you know. I remember uh, the last time we did a really big Ring of Honor show, we were in uh, Long Island. And it was a huge crowd. It was actually uh, CM Punk's farewell show to Ring of Honor before he went to WWE. And, you know, it was packed out. It might be the biggest crowd I ever worked in front of in the United States. There was probably 3,000 people there, easy, 3,000, 4,000. I don't know. It was packed out. It was crazy. And we wrestled uh, Jay Lethal and this kid named Dixie in one of the matches. Uh, we were one of the first matches. And, and we, the people hated us. They just were absolutely crapping on us we were the the total opposite of what they wanted from ring of honor you know what i'm saying for the most part i mean the match was good don't get me wrong you know jay lethal's told me a hundred times that he thought the match was great and you know but we were going back to the locker room and there was this guy just giving this this one kid was just 
yeah, not kid, probably like in his 20s, typical like, you know, nerd living in his ba- mom's basement type thing, just giving me shit like you wouldn't believe. And I turned to him and I said, you would push your mother off a cliff to be me for one day. And he just looked at me and he goes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that. <laughs> uh, that was great. I love that. I love that. Uh, you've had some great moments here, man. Where do you see yourself in five years? You're still sticking around. You're still killing it. What do you see yourself? You know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope I'm still doing it. I hope it's still, we're still going strong. I hope I'm here with, um, with FIP still, I mean, I, you never know what the future will bring. You know what I mean? I mean, I've, you know, I've heard little talk in my ear about this and that. And <laughs> I, you know, you get to the point where I've heard it all a million times. So I don't really pay attention to the chatter anymore. You know what I mean? And just kind of live for today, you know, and what I'm doing and, and just, you know, I, you know, more than anything else, I just hope I can give back. You know what I mean? And, and like, a, keep working with young guys like Tony and Fabu and Anthony and kids that really care and get it and, and want to be good and are getting good. And just being able to see them accomplish things, to me, that's, that's all I want to do, man. I mean, if I could ever get a chance of going a little further, uh, you know, I might have a couple years left in me, you know. But right now, I'm just having fun, man. I hope it keeps going. I hope FIP comes back strong after all this is over. I think we will. In fact, I know we will. And I hope they keep using me. I hope they don't get too sick of me too fast. <laughs> uh, any, any plugs you want to throw out there? Obviously, you mentioned FIP, AC Thunder, ACW Thunder. Anywhere else we can see you at? Yeah, I'd love to come and work for Real Pro Wrestling at some point. I've tried making it happen. I want to make it happen. You know I'm talking to you about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely make it happen soon, man, you know, definitely when all this comes back, you know. Say so anywhere I can go that's fun and just, you know, it's just work with my guys, have a good time, you know. Um, I'd really like to get – I'd honestly, I'd love to do some more shows with the Dirty Blondes out of state, you know, like uh, we talked about maybe me going to Texas with them on a couple of their shows and going out there and working with them. You know, I just – I get along with those guys so much. I mean, they're just, you know, two of my best friends. And, you know, anytime you get to work with your, your buddies, I mean, it's an awesome thing, you know. Uh, I really wish my partner Phil and his brother Scott would come – I mean, those two guys are in – as good a shape, if not better shape than they were 10 years ago. <laughs> like they could easily get back in the ring and go another 10 or 15, at least another 10 years strong. And um, I wish they would do that, but you know, they don't really feel, you know, I guess they feel like their time is, is done. You know, maybe Phil once in a while, like we did with the match of the dirty blondes will, Come out. I, mean, I guarantee if somebody picked up the phone and said, hey, we want to book you guys against the Rock and Roll Express again, I guarantee Phil will come out, <laughs> yeah. he'll come out of retirement for that match, you know what I mean, or something akin to that, you know. But other than that, I think those guys just, uh, you know, kind of tired, done, I guess. I don't know. I guess you just get – but I think it's always going to be in my blood. I think I'm always going to be involved in it somehow. I'd like to get more involved in the booking and promoting end of things again. I mean, back in the, you know, you know, I booked, I've done a lot of booking over the years with different promotions. For a while, I was helping FIP with the booking. I booked and um, helped book in, uh, in Georgia for um, AWA World South Wrestling for a while. And uh, we had some really big shows 
there with different guys and um you know that's a, that's a part of the business i really enjoy you know the creative end of things and so i guess the sky's the limit man we'll see what happens you know Absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I've always enjoyed sharing a locker room with you. As you can see, that's not a new DVD. I've had that in my collection for years. That's I've always awesome. appreciated your work. Uh, you know, even the first time I shared a locker room with me, I was like, oh, man, I, I've seen him. I, I know he'll bleed and do anything for the business. He's super <laughs> talented, awesomely uh, fun guy to watch. So thank you so much for sitting down, talking with me for well over an hour, I think it's been. Uh, any, any final words, my friend, superstar? Uh, just everybody stay safe out there, support the wrestling business. You know, sometimes it gets a, a black eye here and there. It gets a bad name, but it's still, to me, it's the greatest entertainment in the world, man. So everybody out there, keep it, keep supporting, especially support the independent wrestling promotions. It's the lifeblood of pro wrestling. And um, you'll see the, the stars of tomorrow today. So come on out when the, when the tickets yes. are on sale again, come on out. When this is all done, absolutely support. Come on out. Check out an ACW event. Check out some FIP. If you haven't been, you gotta. You really do. Uh, Superstar Sean, thank you so much, man. Hope you have a great day. I'll see you soon, my friend. All right, brother. Be good. Thank you guys for watching. This is the KFAM Corner. Jordan Persone, Superstar Sean Davis. Thank you. Good night. Bye.